It's time for The Car Doctor on AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's The Car Doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. My name is John Paul, the Car Doctor, here to help you with your car problems. And if you suspect that I'm not in the studio, you're right. I'm being lazy. I'm staying home today. So, But it is still a live program, although we do have some interviews we're going to be talking with different people about. Uh, we're a little bit later in the show. We're going to be talking with Dan Zolinski. He's from the Rubber Manufacturers Association. Dan joins us periodically over the course of each year to talk about how important it is to make sure that you your tires are in good shape for the upcoming holiday season and we just managed to get through 90 percent of thanksgiving i guess and uh over today and tomorrow still should be big travel days so if you're out there be careful but dan joined us uh uh for really just some tire talk, and we'll get to that a little bit. And then I had the chance to take a look at the 2017, that's right, 2017 Hyundai Elantra. And the Hyundai Elantra uh, for 2017 really looks like it's going upscale. And we had some, we had a little bit of time to spend in that car with um, Michael Evanoff. He was a manager, or is the manager of planning for Hyundai Motor America about the Elantra. So we got to talk to him about that and how that new car is going to look. And then finally, uh, we talked to my friend and co-worker, Mary McGuire, about the primary seatbelt law in Massachusetts and where it's going to go. We have a seatbelt law in Massachusetts. We've had one for years and years and years. And there's a push on to make it a primary law, a law that um, really says you have to, if you don't wear your seatbelt, you could get pulled over and get a ticket. And we'll go into the reasons why for that in, in sometime over the next 45 minutes or so. Also, this week's test drive was in kind of an unusual car. It was in the Mitsubishi Mirage, and we'll talk about that car. And it's not a car for everybody. It is a small economy car with a lot of economy features and a few surprisingly upscale features that you wouldn't expect to see in a car that retails for about $16,000. And also, from one of my Q&A columns that I did, uh, I got a question about a um, person who drives a lot, and um, they use a navigation system, but they're also concerned about other drivers on the road. And here's here's the question. It's, I have two concerns about driving my 2014 Toyota Camry. The first is I worry about other drivers and how everyone... Uh, seems to be looking for a way to make money after they get in an accident. So uh, it seems like everyone who gets in an accident looks for that as a way, as a payoff, and whether they're at fault or not. And the other second issue is they they wish they ordered their car with a navigation unit, and they want to know, would it be possible to have an aftermarket dash cam installed to protect me, as well as a navigation system installed? Well... I'm sure it's possible, and I'm sure if we went over to our friends at uh, 
auto toys over in Randolph, maybe they could come up with some sort of aftermarket installation. But there is something that is basically what you're looking for. Garmin, the people that have been building navigation systems for a long time, have something called the NuviCam LMT, and it really does re- uh, replicate some of the best features found in new cars. It uses voice commands, so you can actually tell it to what you want it to do, and and that seemed to work pretty well, although voice command systems don't seem to understand my voice very well. There is a built-in dash cam that saves files on one of those mini SD cards, and it will also save and record a file in a crash. So if you do get into a crash, it'll save that file. So if you're worried about you, you know whose fault it was, it will record that. Um, it also has forward collision warning, just like uh, Volvo was driving recently, that would warn you if you're about ready to get into a collision. And although it won't apply the brakes, obviously, because it is a standalone unit, it'll also, because it has a camera in it, will also, as you drift out of the lane, will let you know you're drifting out of the lane. And one thing it has for the navigation unit, which was really pretty slick, I thought, was as you were approaching your destination, and if you have one of the smartphone apps like an Apple uh, iPhone or Google Maps on your phone, one of the things that's kind of unique about those systems is as you tend to approach your destination, it switches over to sort of the Google Maps street view of that destination. So as you're approaching it, it shows you a picture of what you're looking for. So if you're looking for the registry of motor vehicles in Quincy, as you started to approach the registry of motor vehicles, it would it would actually show you a picture of what the building looked like. This unit's a little bit different because as you start to approach your destination, it flips on the dash camera and actually points to, in real time, where the building is. So instead of looking at a picture that could be a year or two old, which might be fairly accurate, unless it was wintertime and it was snowing and you didn't know what was going on, um, it would actually point you in the direction of where that building was in real time. It was it was actually a pretty slick unit. The one thing I didn't like about it was it's a big unit. It's about four inches wide by about seven inches long, and it takes up a fair amount of uh, dash and windshield real estate. You know, if you're if you're putting it up on on the windshield, it takes up a fair amount of your windshield. So that could be a deterrent to some people. But if you're on the road a lot and you're looking for a good navigation unit, and it has traffic and all all the things all the premium navigation units have, and this truly is a premium navigation unit, it does have this built-in dash cam. So if you're worried about you know a a, a collision that may it may or may not be your fault, but, you know, what really happened, it will record on point of impact. So it will record it and save that file so you'll know exactly what happened, and there's no and then there's no arguments afterwards. So if you're interested in something like this, and what I said to the person who wrote in to me, uh, it is the Garmin NuviCam LMT is what it's called. So Garmin, G-A-R-M-I-N, and it's a NuviCam, N-U-V-I-C-A-M, so for camera, LMT. Uh, the people at Garmin let me borrow it for a while. I, I They were, they were going to let me borrow it for about a month and for some reason i think i had it for about three months and finally just sent it back to them so they could get it back but a pretty interesting and unique uh, uh unit so if you're looking for something like that it works pretty well i promised that we would uh, maybe at some point talk with 
our buddy Dan Zielinski from the Rubber Manufacturers Association. And if all things go correctly, Dan should be right here. Hey, uh, it's time to talk about tires. Tires are an important part of your car, and with us is Dan Zielinski from the Rubber Manufacturers Association. And sometimes people think we talk too much about tires, but when you think about it, you can have the best brakes in the world, but if you don't have good tires, you're not going to get good traction. Dan, good morning, and welcome to the Car Doctor Program. Good morning, John. It's good to be here again, and I think that's a very appropriate you know, lead into to our discussion because... As, as you, I've heard you say many times, you know, tires are the only part of the vehicle that touch the road, and they are involved in so much of what your vehicle does for you. So just the basic few minutes of care a month uh, will really pay off in safety and efficiency and, and tires that will give you the most life possible. And it really is. I mean, tires tires are not inexpensive. If anyone hasn't bought any tires lately, to buy a set of four tires could easily be uh, five, six hundred dollars, or, or you know, a thousand dollars. So it is really important to take care of them. And taking care of your tires is relatively simple, right? Well, that's exactly right. Uh, on a number of fronts, there, you know, tires are um, there. They do cost quite a bit, and so you want to protect that investment. And it's really what we're suggesting is it's just a few minutes every month to check the pressure, to look at the tread, to make sure that there isn't any damage or, or punctures, um, and to measure the tread, too, to make sure you have adequate grip and you don't want to you know, overstay your tires when they're worn out and keep them on there when they really should be removed. And uh, tire tread is so important for wintertime traction. Uh, here in New England, I joked with somebody, oh, it never snows except for last year where we had 150 inches of it. Uh, but, the, but the difference between a tire that's at its minimum, so that sort of almost the wear bars are showing, and a tire that's a little less worn than that can make a dramatic difference in how our tire performs in winter weather, right? That, that's exactly right, uh, John. Um, you know, as you know, when it's summertime and, and you have similar issues, your tires are wearing down. Um, once you start to get below that sort of four thirty second mark, um, you might start to notice longer stopping distances and a little less capable grip um, sometimes on on wet roads. Uh, but more so in the winter, you know, if you're noticing that your tires are pretty worn down and you're thinking you're, you're going to get through summer part of the winter, you might want to think twice and have your tires inspected and have that tread depth measured because uh, if, it, if you do have a winter like last year or something close to it, hopefully it's not like last year, your, your tires are not likely going to give you the proper grip on the road that you need. My back still hurts from last year, so oh, I, I, can't, yeah. I don't even want to think about it. And you're absolutely right. You know, we think about you know two thirty seconds as a tire being worn out, but here at AAA, we always we always talk about you know really four thirty seconds is probably as far as you want to go, especially as you're looking at, to try to really maximize uh, tire tra- tra- tire traction. And you know, you're going to get a better ride and better overall performance from a tire. How about tire pressure? We talk about it's so important to make sure your tires are properly inflated, and a lot of people make the mistake if they look at the tire and they think whatever's on the side of the tire is the pressure you're supposed to use, right? That, that's true. Um, a lot of people still, probably um, you know, more than 40% of drivers are looking at the sidewall for the proper inflation pressure, and that's not the right place to look. What you want to do is open your car door. Usually right there on the door jam is a sticker. It's the tire information label. It has your correct inflation pressure that's set by the auto manufacturer, and that's the pressure you want to use in your vehicle. And when you think about you know, why is it so important, um, as your tires are rolling down the road at any given moment as your tires are turning, 
the, the, the point of contact is only about the size of the palm of your hand. So if your tire pressure, if you're underinflated, you're kind of reducing that contact patch. You're reducing your car's ability to grip the road. So you want to have it at the correct inflation pressure that will optimize your grip and certainly your safety. And when it comes to, you know, checking tire pressure, it's something that, you know, it's not something you do, you know, once once every six months, like getting the oil change in your car. It's something you should do once a month, right? That's right. Once a month and before long trips, if you're going to take one, especially coming up the holiday season, if you're going to do that. Um, your tires can lose a little bit of air every month. And particularly now at this time of year, because we're going, you know, from now we're in fall, we're heading into winter, but as temperature drops, your tire pressure drops too. I mean, if you just think back to elementary school science, you know, when things get warm, they heat up and expand. When things get cold, they contract and, and reduce. Well, that's what happens to air pressure. The air pressure starts to contract in the colder weather, which is why, um, you know, a lot of folks, you know, the auto service business, John, will probably see a lot of people come in with their tire pressure warning light on. And what that means is you've lost 25% of the inflation pressure in your tires, which is pretty significantly underinflated. So you don't want to wait for that indicator light to come on before you check your tires. As you said, check the tire pressure every month, particularly now as we're seeing temperatures drop. As uh, cold, you know, the cold weather, you're right, the tire pressure drops, and, and you know, I can't help but bring it up again, you know, the, the uh, Patriots footballs, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a New York Giants fan. I'm not too happy right now with the Patriots. So. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, and the other thing is, uh, and especially from our standpoint at AAA, we, we you know probably the number one or number two reason we go out to rescue people is, is flat tires, and and that's probably twenty to twenty five percent of the road service calls we do. And it's so important to make sure that you have a if your car has a spare to make sure the spare is in good shape to make sure it's properly inflated. And if you're going to change it yourself, make sure the tools are there necessary to change that flat tire. Right. That, that's all good advice, John. Um, We've done surveys where we've found that um, better than two-thirds of drivers never check the air in the spare tire. And yes, it can be a pain in the neck. It's always in a hard-to-reach uh, place on your car. Um, you might want to consider, uh, if you don't want to do it yourself, when you do bring your car in for an oil change, is to let the technicians know that you'd like them to check the air in the spare and, and, and fill it up. Um, might be helpful if you cleaned out your truck a little bit before you do that. Um, uh, to make it a little bit easier on them, but uh, it is important. You don't want to be stuck on the side of the road and go for the spare and have that be flat because then you're really stuck. You absolutely are. And uh, th this is all great information, and you can find more information pretty easily on your website, which is? It's www.betiresmart.org. And one of the other things that we always try to bring up whenever we talk to you is uh, it's so it's so important to check your tire pressure. You know, get a gauge. They're five dollars. They're either they're and they're accurate enough. They'll do the job. But if you don't want to do it yourself, you know, it, it really the the old days of going into the corner gas station uh, to get your tire pressure checked. It's easier going to the corner gas station and buy a scratch ticket and a, a day old hot dog. I think than it is to get your tire pressure checked. But good tire stores like our friends over at Sullivan Tire, um, they're part they're part of your program is part. Of the whole beat tire smart plan, right? So they're they're always happy to check your tire pressure, right? They, they really are. Sullivan Tire has been um, a wonderful company to work with. Uh, they participate in our voluntary education program, and they've really um, uh, mastered the art of helping consumers uh, and to, to teach 
consumers about the importance of, of air pressure. They're always happy to do a free air pressure check for you if you just pull into any Sullivan tire. And one last thing, only because uh, we were talking about it a little bit before we went on the air, a proper tire repair is not a plug, it's not a patch, it's a combination of a plug and a patch, and it's really important that the tire gets disassembled to see if there's any wear inside of it, right? That, that's exactly right. Um, our organization has had uh, industry guidelines for tire repair for many, many decades, um, and he, uh, it is important that if you do have a puncture, that the service technician remove the tire from the wheel and use a patch and a plug to completely seal the injury and make sure there's no damage on the inner liner of the tire. Um, if someone only plugs a tire from the outside and doesn't demount the tire, they could be missing a significant amount of damage inside that could ultimately lead to a tire failure. That's right. You, you're going to put that plug in, you might drive down, you might be able to inflate the tire, you drive down the road and you're confident and you're driving the speed limit or if you live in New England, probably above the speed limit and all of a sudden that tire fails and if it fails at 60, 70 miles an hour, it can be a pretty catastrophic incident. That's correct. So you want to be you want to be mindful of that um, you know look tires are engineered you know to hold air and um, it's actually quite phenomenal that you know when that pressure vessel which is your tire is punctured that there are instances where it can be repaired and restored to uh, effective service but it needs to be done correctly you don't want to short circuit that repair procedure and get uh, something just because it's cheap and then hope it'll work. Uh, uh, spend a few extra dollars, have someone who knows what they're doing to service and repair the tire correctly so that you have much more confidence that the tire will, will be able to function. So to summarize, check the tire tread depth. 230 seconds is absolutely worn out. 430 seconds is a number that if your tires are starting to look like that. And that's something you can easily check with a, a, a penny or a quarter or a nickel or whatever whatever you want to use. But, you know, have the tire pressure checked. If the tread is worn, think about replacing the tires and think about replacing all four tires. Uh, right. Tire pressure. Uh, like you said, the placard on the side of the door, and the, one of the most important little pieces of advice you you gave us right now was the tire pressure monitor systems. They do their job, but still, it's not an excuse not to get out there once a month and check the tire pressure. Right. Right. It's it's for when you've had a sudden loss of air pressure is when they're most effective. Um, you don't want that to be your your tire maintenance tool. Um, because that'll tell you when the light comes on when you've lost 25% of your air pressure. So by the time the tire reaches that low of a inflation pressure, you've been wasting gas and potentially causing damage to your tire because an underinflated tire builds up heat that can damage uh, the tire internally and cause you to wear out the tires faster or over a good portion of time might, might lead to a failure. So with the holiday season coming up, you want to make sure your tires are in good shape. You want to make sure they're going to be able to get you where you need to go. And as importantly, the, your website, one more time, where people can find more information? Just visit www.btiresmart.org. Dan Zielinski, Vice President of Public Affairs for the Rubber Manufacturers Association. All good advice. Thank you for joining us on the Car Doctor program. Well, thank you again for having me. I always enjoy talking to you, John. You take care and have a happy Thanksgiving as, as your, and your listeners as well. 
That was Dan Zelensky from the Rubber Manufacturers Association, a good guy, and he's been kind enough. One of the Votex schools that I'm involved with, uh, uh, one of the instructors said to me, hey, if you know a magician who can produce, uh, you know, half a dozen or a dozen or so tire gauges, he said, geez, these, these kids in the school, he said, every time they put down, you know, they check a tire, tire pressure, he said they seem to take their tire gauge home with them or give it to whoever it is there. Or we can't seem to hold on to them. So Dan was kind enough. He sent me 25 tire gauges for the for the students at uh, Blue Hills Regional Vocational School. So that was nice of him to do that as well. And he always sends me always sends me a few, and sometimes they end up as little little extra gifts with people when they answer trivia. I don't think we're going to do trivia today, and we're not going to do uh, auto show ticket giveaway today. We'll save that for next week. But right now, why don't we take a break, pay some bills? When we come back, we'll talk about two interesting things. One is uh, a new program with Chrysler Corporation, and the second is the. Mitsubishi Mirage, the car that has gotten me around for the last few days right through the uh, Thanksgiving holiday. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening live on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. here with Mike from Coastal Heating and Air Conditioning. Mike, I have to ask, do you recommend eliminating the need for oil in your home and why? I'm going to speak from my personal experience. I was calling the oil man at least three times a year at a minimum of 800 a shot. So when I put the Mitsubishi in, I eliminated him completely. And if you have forced hot air oil system, we all know what it smells like when it turns on and we know the noise it makes. So if you eliminate that and put in the indoor units, you'll actually clean the air in your home. You will have no smell whatsoever, and again, with no noise. So it actually purifies the air. They have allergenic filters in them. So anyone that has breathing issues, they claim this will take care of it. Wow. Call Mike at Coastal today at 617-770-0636 for all of your heating and air conditioning needs. Black Friday is the number one shopping day of the year. But at Sullivan Tire, we're extending Black Friday savings all the way through Sunday with a -a one-of-a-kind sales event you won't want to miss. All 67 Sullivan Tire service centers will be offering incredible tire savings right through Sunday at 3 p.m. Buy three and get one free on all Yokohama tires and on our Sullivan Value Line tires. Plus, enjoy fantastic savings on all Goodyear tires all weekend. During our annual Black Friday sales event, all stores will be open through Sunday, so there's plenty of time to save. Again, and buy three, get one free on all Yokohama tires and on our Sullivan Value Line tires. And all Goodyear tires are also on sale. It's the perfect time to buy. And remember, Sullivan Tire is New England's auto maintenance headquarters. We'll keep your car running right all winter long. Visit SullivanTire.com slash Black Friday. Peace of mind driving. You deserve it. We provide it. Tires must be installed at Sullivan Tire while supplies last. See SullivanTire.com for complete details. The Great Molasses Flood of 1919, they were there. The Prue pierces the skyline, 1964, they were there. 2004, Boston baseball reigns supreme again, they were there. 
They were there when Starrow Drive opened in 1951, and when the first flight landed at Logan in 1923, they were there. They've been here for a hundred years of Boston, uniquely Boston, City of Boston Credit Union. Memberships open to anyone living or working in Suffolk or Norfolk counties. And when it comes to loans, when you need a loan, there's no place like City of Boston Credit Union. They are there, there for you. Home loans, vehicle, tuition, energy, and personal. City of Boston Credit Union, 617-635-4545. City of Boston Credit Union is NMLS number 403469 equal housing lender. Visit cityofbostoncu.com for more. City of Boston Credit Union, uniquely Boston. AM 950 WROL Boston, the spirit of Boston. A service of Salem Media Group. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Well, uh, this is sort of an interesting little bit of news from, and I actually heard this from um, um, when I was at the uh, Votech School over in over in uh, Blue Hills, and it started actually just um, this week, and it's. Um, Chrysler Corporation, their dealers nationwide, can offer no-cost college education to employees, their spouses, and their children, a perk aimed at attracting top-tier talent to work at the Fiat Chrysler stores. Um, And that's the new name of Chrysler these days, FCA, Fiat Chrysler Automotive, I guess, is expanding its Degrees at Work pilot program, which began in May, there are 365 dealerships in the southeastern region, uh, but now the program enables employees in participating dealerships to earn an associate's, bachelor, or master's degree in one of about 40 fields of study at Strayer University. It's a private, uh, accredited, for-profit uh, university based in Washington, D.C. With enrollment of 40,000, degrees at work is offered to all FCA 2,600 U.S. dealerships. FCA said it will offer a second level of to interested employees opening the program to employees, spouses, and dependents. To me, it's always, according to Al Gardner here, he says, to me, it's always been about how to say thank you and how we take our dealerships to the next level. FCA's head of, he's the head of uh, network development. We need to attract and retain the best talent. As Degrees at Work goes national, dealers will be able to participate in two levels, the Base Degrees at Work program that covers all dealership employees, or Degrees at Work Family Plan, which also includes employees, spouses, and children. Both are underwritten in part by FCA. The students take classes online or at one of the Strayer's 77 campuses in 15 states and the District of Columbia. Students pay nothing for tuition, fees, and books. Unlike some of the programs announced last year uh, by companies like Starbucks, students will not need to advance money and seek reimbursement. FCA has about um, 120,000 employees and has 26,000 dealerships. Any employee at a participating store is eligible to take classes through the program. The cost to dealers for the two programs is uh, based on the size of their stores. Costs for employee-only programs range from 400 to to $1,000 a month. Costs for degrees at work family plan can be as much as $2,600 a month. We've already had a number of dealers pre-enroll before the nat- natural launch, according to uh, Gardner. So that's a that's a pretty interesting way to try to get the best employees to come to work. And I guess you can be a little bit fussier now if you're saying, you know, one of our extra perks is that we're going to offer this great 
plan where you can come here and your kids can go to school for free maybe it's, you know and end up with a master's degree that's pretty interesting stuff so we'll have to we'll have to wait and see Volvo which has always been a kind of a small vehicle manufacturer says uh, they're hoping to sell 100,000 vehicles by the year 2017 Volvo cars in North America is on track for its first annual sales increase in three years and expects to top 100,000 vehicles as soon as 2017 an achievement that would help more dealers become more profitable and legitimize the brand's comeback efforts according to the CEO um, they said they're nearing the end he, this guy who the uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name, is the CEO for North America said Volvo, which sold 56,000 vehicles in 2014, is targeting about 70,000 this year, 87,000 for 2016, and hoping to get 100,000 vehicles. Well, if the XC90 is any idea, well, it's a pretty nice vehicle. So you never you never know. As things expand, uh, we may see we may see more and more of that. I promised that we would... Uh, have a little bit of, uh, you know, be able to spend a little bit of time, kind of. And this was sort of an interesting interview. I've never quite done anything quite like this before, but this was a, this was an interview inside the car I was talking about. And I was in, uh, I was uh, at the home of Automotion International. That's where our test cars come from. And I had the chance to spend a few minutes with Michael Evanoff. He is the manager of planning for Hyundai Motor America for the Hyundai. And my question to him, and we were sitting inside the car, which was sort of, which I thought was sort of interesting. My question to him was a pretty simple one. Tell me about the 2017 Elantra. Yeah, all new, 27 model, uh, 2017 model year. Uh, we should be shipping and going on sale early uh, next year. I'm very excited about it. It's the sixth generation of the car. Uh, current fifth generation, you know, tremendous success for Hyundai and Hyundai's advancement and upward move in sales. Uh, and we're looking for the new generation to push that forward even farther and build on the success of this car as we push, push this one into 2016 and beyond. So, um just from sitting in the car, I can tell it definitely seems that everything seems to have gone upscale a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything, the surfaces seem a little bit softer. Yeah, we're, yeah. As, as we're here in, in the interior, um, it was really designed to be, you know, give a wide, spacious feeling. It's a little bit different than the current car. This one, I think, actually feels wider, uh, more mature, um, more uh, sophisticated. You know, in a lot of our research, we noticed, too, that, you know, we had a lot of respondents get in and out of cars, this one included. And all the dials, everything was, like, really laid out well, very easy to use. The actual center stack is angled about seven degrees toward the driver to aid even more so uh, in, in facilitating the you know, interaction with the vehicle. So overall, I think um, you know a very nice place to spend time in. And when you, as you were developing this car. Uh, who was who do you have in mind for a buyer for the car? Well, buyer is you know compact segment is a, is a huge segment, and there's basically two targets uh, that think. There's also you know we also always want to attract uh, the millennial, the younger buyer. Interestingly enough, um, we've watched the the growth of the millennial as the purchase uh, uh, reason at, at, for buying cars. Um, they just now recently, according to our data, in this particular segment, uh, the young millennial buyer has been has jumped to about thirty eight percent. 
and is the highest from a volume standpoint from retail sales, surpassing the baby boomer or the boomer generation for the first time. So given that, it's both the millennial and then the boomer generation as well because of the sheer, you know, the numbers. Um, it's at that life stage, maybe they don't need something quite as large. This is still classified as an EPA mid-sized car inside, so it's not very compact, um, but it's, you know, a little bit smaller overall than some of the mid-sized cars, uh, but still a lot of technology, a lot of features. Uh, they don't need something quite as big. So basically that's, it's kind of a bipolar as far as an age distribution, the younger and then later on in the life stage. So it's a four-passenger car that has five seatbelts. Technically, yeah, it is. Yeah, technically five-passenger is five, but, you know, still, uh, you know, once again in our research, people who got in the backseat too and were amazed uh, at the amount of legroom. I think people are used to the, the, the term compact car being exactly that, and they're not, they're not very compact anymore. And uh, what will power the newest one? We actually have all new power plants. Uh, the core engine or the main engine uh, will be a two-liter Atkinson cycle, which provides more efficiency. That's got 147 horsepower and 132 pound-feet of torque. I think more than adequate for this segment. Also, uh, an additional drivetrain as an option uh, on a new Eco trim will be a downsized 1.4-liter turbo gasoline direct injection, uh, which is estimated to, uh, based on our estimates, provide 35 mpg combined which is unsurpassed in the segment and provides a torque-rich 158 pound-feet at a very low RPM, uh, 1,400 RPMs on up. So that's something you can definitely feel uh, during in day-to-day driving, and especially combined with our 7-speed dual-clutch will be exclusive for that engine. The core 2-liter Atkinson will be available with a manual in the base configuration, and then our new uh, uh, next-generation 6-speed automatic. Um, which, you know, and I like the fact that it's still 6-speed auto. A lot have gone to CVTs. Um, which can provide maybe not the most natural driving experience. So R still has those traditional uh, shift points that people are used to. Uh, I think really cut down on engine noise, um, you know, as the nature of the CVT. So I'm very happy to say uh, still back with the 6AT. And the dual-clutch transmission has uh, been a popular choice for a lot of different vehicle manufacturers. So can we consider the Elantra a sporty car? Well, <clears throat> I think we, have, uh, we, have, we haven't made official announcements yet, but from a sporty aspect, uh, we've got some other interesting things coming. Uh, there will be a Elantra Sport trim later uh, in next year that will have the most, most horsepower of any Elantra ever. Um, so I, I think of Elantra as more, more refined, more premium. We do have an opportunity to get sportier. Um, the 7-speed dual clutch, it can be in sporty applications, but it's also very efficient. And so that, it's, it's efficient and provides, you know, kind of, a, uh, kind of a fun, you know, positive shift, quick shift experience. Uh, diffs very different to what you would experience maybe from a CVT. And, uh, when it comes down to, you know, like you said, there's a six, a true six-speed automatic, so not a CVT. The dual-clutch automatic, is there a manual shift available? Um, there is a manual, uh, a manual shift available on the base configuration, um, only one configuration. <clears throat> manual is still... You don't see a lot of uh, a high take rate for manuals when you start. It's more, I think, more of a, a price point. Um, moving up in the configurations, uh, it, it, the demand for it really wanes. I still try and offer some of you know some of the current cars we have, like a Launcher GT. I try and offer a manual as much as possible. That sport version I referred to, yeah, you might see a three pedal uh, in there as well. As far as other options, I still want to. We still want to make sure. That, I think that helps position it too uh, as a sporty car. And uh, the Elantra had kind of a best kept secret, and that was the touring, sort of the five-door hatch. Mm-hmm. Will we see uh, uh, the latest Elantra in a five-door touring? Yeah, we, all, well, we have, currently have the Elantra GT, yeah. which is our five-door derivative. And, <clears throat> yeah, you, I think you will, we should anticipate to see that uh, a, a new generation of that moving forward. 
Well, it's, it certainly seems like looking at the car overall, what, what we're seeing here, uh, this is, uh, you know, there was a time where Hyundai was sort of known as being a good car for a good value car. Uh, but today, this is this is completely changed. This is this is a very nicely put together, very very upscale feeling car inside. Yeah, I definitely agree. And uh, the driving experience, too. Um, maybe one thing with the current generation car that could have gotten better was, the, quite frankly, the dynamics, some of the driving experiences. And very happy to say with the sixth generation car, a lot of those were addressed. Body rigidity is up 30%. Um, the application of advanced high-strength steel is more than double. Um, it's hard to believe, but um, uh, 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 structural adhesives, there's almost, almost 400 feet of structural adhesives throughout this whole uh, this whole frame and, and body um, so that it you know, contributes to a, you know a more rigid body which allows the suspension to work differently that the suspension does have to make up for any lack of body rigidity um, so definitely suspension tuning NVH ride quality all that kind of match the feeling that you get uh, inside and outside the vehicle so truly a premium car at this point. get in there yeah I mean it's still you know still compact segment you know you gotta uh, you know kind of you know position yourself within the market uh, but definitely more definitely more scale. And competitors uh, still sort of Corolla, that type of car? Yeah, definitely. Corolla, Civic, um, those would be two of the big ones. Uh, also Chevrolet Cruze, Ford Focus, uh, Mazda 3. In a lot of our research, we use Mazda 3, uh, not just dynamic standpoint, but also from a styling standpoint. So yeah, kind of the heart of the, uh, of the compact segment. And it's probably too early to tell, but um, price similar to the outgoing Elantra, you think? Yeah, too early. It can't. We haven't made official announcements yet. Uh, but with a car of this importance and, and in this segment, and we've seen what you know Honda's done. Um, yeah, I would expect uh, pricing to be similar, maybe if not a little bit less starting than, than where we are today. I think you got to kind of carry that over. And the latest Elantra, we'll see it. When will it come to market? Yeah, since it's a 2017, technically it can't be sold until 2016 calendar year. So we would anticipate um, any you know early January, mid January timing. Um, excited to say you know through our through our sponsorship of the NFL, and we got a game going on down the street here not too long from now. Uh, we will have Super Bowl ads to support the launch. Uh, so definitely want to get them out in dealerships prior to uh, to that event. So looking forward to that. All sounds like good things. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you very much. That was Michael Evanoff. He's the uh, manager of product planning for Hyundai Motor America and the new Hyundai Elantra. It's it's actually it's a very nice car. It is, and that's the 2017 model. So they're really kind of pushing the year a little bit. They're saying 2017 will be available probably January February of 2016, calling it a 2017. I guess the good thing is if you are thinking about buying a car, if you're somebody who has to buy a, a car for like work use and you can only keep it a certain amount of years, like three or four or five years, whatever the case is, like a lot of those car plans allow. If you can buy a 2017 model car in 2016, it sounds like you can keep it an extra year or two. So depending on your plan, it may work out. Well, the L.A. Auto Show was... um, Uh, in the last couple of weeks and uh, in automotive news they kind of put the hits and misses of the LA Auto Show. One of the hits was the Mercedes SL, a car that certainly everybody likes. Mercedes um, got rid of the SL's uh, previous bug-eyed flat-nosed face according to this article here and replaced it with a more tasteful Mid-life uh, update, good riddance, they say. Uh, the Mercedes designer chief, Gordon Wagner, style crew, has done a good things with nearly everything else in the lineup, and the SL missed out on 
on the new book, it said uh, it's it stood out like a uh, sore thumb, according to this, tossing the new 9-speed transmission, more powerful base V6 engine, the SL, and it says here, we're legally permitted to call the car iconic, has finally regained some of its lost kind of uh, look and feel. In this whole article, they're trying to um, they're trying to sound more hip, and they're doing a terrible job of it. By the way, um, he didn't think a whole lot of the Hyundai Elantra. He says, "Okay, there's a lot to like here. The uh, it has a good style, same as the larger Genesis. The buyers can pile on advanced safety tech such as emergency braking and pedestrian detection." What's more, the head uh, headlights bend themselves around uh, turns like some very expensive cars but the front of the car uh the very definition of eh, it's way too generic and too tepid i i thought it was actually a pretty good looking car and when honda's new civic looks and drives as well as it does the rest of the compact segment has a had better bring its a-game they think the new hyundai this guy david Underkoffler, says it's a c-plus at best i thought it was a lot better than that uh, hit. We talked last week uh, with the folks from Lincoln, and it says Lincoln's finally uh, splitting with its uh, split-wing grille from the windshield back. The freshened MK uh, looks better. Uh, it's uh, The new face echoes the look of the Continental concept. The production version expected in January at the Detroit Auto Show will probably have that. It's... Uh, it's safe but appealing. It says here the MKX and MKC crossovers still have the split wing, and they're both pretty new, so it'll be a while before the whole Lincoln family shares the identity. I don't know. You know, you know he, he seems like he likes it, but then he doesn't. The new Buick LaCrosse he wasn't crazy about. The Buick has worked for years to shed its stodgy image and made a decent progress. The new uh Caseta convertible, which actually does look really nice, or the new Buick Regal. The LaCrosse, he says, uh, it's conventionally handsome, leaner in- interpretation of the predecessor, but not enough. The nameplate needs something with uh, a little bit more. I don't know. Uh, and uh, Volkswagen uh, Beetle Dune, essentially a production version of its long-promised Dune concept, the coupe and convertible evoked the spirit of the old-school Volkswagen Baja bugs, a wider stance, slightly higher ride, give the car a nice dose of uh, virility, it says here, if not quite as much uh, as the concept has planned. I don't know. I saw it. I wasn't so sure. And the Fiat 124... Uh, Looks like a pretty good-looking Fiat 124. So some of the things from the auto show in L.A. And I probably ought to have a couple of our NEPA members went out to the L.A. auto show. I probably ought to have them on the show one of these days and see what they thought about everything that happened there. Well, I promised that we would talk about the car that got me around the last few days. And and this week's test drive is in the Mitsubishi Mirage. It's a small economy car. It's powered by a 1.2-liter three-cylinder engine that produces 74 horsepower and 74 foot-pounds of torque. The overall performance is, well, not much performance. Uh, but this car is not about performance. It's about cost and fuel economy. And a little research showed that 0 to 60 happens in about 12 seconds. So, again, it's uh, not exactly a hot rod by any means. The EPA rates the Mirage at 37 miles per gallon in the city and 44 miles per gallon on the highway. I've been averaging just about 42 miles per gallon overall. That translates into hybrid or diesel-like mileage. Uh, making the Mirage the most fuel-efficient gasoline car sold today. Uh, it really, you know, the, when you look at some of the diesel 
cars like the diesel cruise i think it's pretty much right up there with it although the diesel cruise has a little bit more performance the handling is okay this is an economy car and doesn't try to pretend to be anything else it rides a bit jittery around town and this little car requires a little concentration out in the highway it tends to drift pretty easily when big trucks go by where this car does well is around town the turning radius is small and the car easily maneuvers around crowded city streets at this price don't expect a luxury interior the plastic surfaces are hard to the touch and the seats have a inexpensive firm feel although reasonably comfortable i mean it, it does feel like you're sitting on a hard piece of uh, foam on the other hand you know i've been in the car for a couple hours at a time it seems like and it's reasonably comfortable the controls are pretty straightforward and simple our test car had the optional navigation system with the somewhat unexpected push button keyless start and the keyless starts on the left so uh very porsche like of that i suppose um in the rear seat the headroom and shoulder room are somewhat limited when i sat behind the driver's seat uh it was a little cramped feeling but again i had my seat pushed all the way back in addition the rear bench seat is flat and doesn't have a lot of padding the rear seat is not a place where you'd want to spend a lot of time although you could put a couple people in there if you had to uh, storage is actually pretty good with about 17 uh, cubic feet of space with the rear seat up and a very respectable 47 cubic feet with the rear seats folded uh, you know for thanksgiving we had to bring we we didn't host Thanksgiving. We went we went out uh, to uh, my sister in law's house, but we had to bring a couple of folding chairs, uh, pie, flowers, a few other things, and um, it all fit nicely in the back with the back seat with still the back seat up. And again, forty seven cubic feet with the back seat down, so you could put a lot of stuff in here. Not a lot of weight, but you could you could probably make a good dent in that holiday shopping i guess if you were out christmas shopping you can put a lot of stuff back here safety is addressed with seven airbags four-wheel anti-lock brakes uh, front discs and rear drums traction and stability control front and rear parking sensors and a rear view camera came in our es model the car also had the automatic climate control and full power accessories so you know you set the temperature at 72 degrees and hit the auto button and does a pretty good job keeping the cabin comfortable uh, again a little bit of a surprise on a vehicle like this the bottom line is the mirage had some unexpected extras it returned great fuel economy but i'm not sure mitsubishi hit the mark on this i think i would have preferred to seen to have seen less at a lower price and really made it a true economy car rather than a car that our test car came in at seventeen thousand one hundred and five dollars so um you know that's it's inexpensive for a new car but it's still a lot of money um and it really approaches the price of maybe like a Honda Fit or some other better, at least by reputation, uh, cars in this in this compact segment. So, or you could buy for seventeen thousand dollars. I ran into uh, Craig Fitzgerald yesterday. We've had Craig on the show, and he said for seventeen thousand dollars you could buy a pretty nice used Dodge Challenger. So. Everybody has an opinion, uh, but if you're looking for a brand new city car and you're looking for one that gets great fuel economy, it's easy to drive, it's easy to maneuver, uh, it has an interesting style to it. Some people, uh, I think everybody who looked at it thought it was cute, so it has kind of an interesting style. Uh, the uh, Mitsubishi Mirage might be just a car for you. I would have to give Mitsubishi an A for effort and a C for execution. I think they could have done some things better and some things they could have... Mm, 
they maybe should have skipped out on. I think I think uh, if you're trying to get a high mileage economy car, really try to develop that and maybe do a few things. I would have liked to seen. I would have rather traded the navigation system. I think for padded armrests on the door and maybe a center console where you could kind of rest your arm if you were driving and just make the car feel more comfortable. Airbags are great, anti-lock brakes are great, you know, all things you should have in a small car. But the keyless push-button start, I don't know. It's one of those things that I think I I would have been okay to see it not there and seen a key instead. But that's just me. I'm not I'm not a designer. We'll we'll wait and see how how well it sells. Again, it's a car that uh, it's pretty inexpensive. It's a small engine. It's all about fuel economy. And if you're looking for just fuel economy in a in a uh, pretty versatile package, the Mitsubishi Mirage might be the car you're looking for. Why don't we take another break? My name is John Paul. This is a Car Doctor program. If you would like to join us, we are I'm not in the studio, but we are live, so you can give us a call at 617-770-3030. Marita's not in today, but Kelly's filling in and doing the fabulous job she always does. Why don't we take that quick break, and when we come back, maybe we'll talk to you about your car and your car problems. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor program. You're listening on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Black Friday is the number one shopping day of the year. But at Sullivan Tire, we're extending Black Friday savings all the way through Sunday with a -a one-of-a-kind sales event you won't want to miss. All 67 Sullivan Tire service centers will be offering incredible tire savings right through Sunday at 3 p.m. Buy three and get one free on all Yokohama tires and on our Sullivan Value Line tires. Plus, enjoy fantastic savings on all Goodyear tires all weekend. During our annual Black Friday sales event, all stores will be open through Sunday, so there's plenty of time to save. Again, buy three, get one free on all Yokohama tires and on our Sullivan Value Line tires. And all Goodyear tires are also on sale. It's the perfect time to buy. And remember, Sullivan Tire is New England's auto maintenance headquarters. We'll keep your car running right all winter long. Visit SullivanTire.com slash Black Friday. Peace of mind driving. You deserve it. We provide it. Tires must be installed at Sullivan Tire while supplies last. See SullivanTire.com for complete details. Everywhere you go, anywhere you go, W-R-O-L, the spirit of Boston, goes with you. That's because we are no longer trapped inside a radio. We are now everywhere you are, and you carry us around in your pocket. We're ambiguous. On iTunes, on iHeart, on your own app, on our website, on ChristianRadio.com, on your iPad, iPhone, and Android. We're always with you because we're inside your pocket. Whatever you do, don't lose us. 9.50 a.m. W-R-O-L, the spirit of Boston. The Great Molasses Flood of 1919, they were there. The Prue pierces the skyline, 1964, they were there. 2004, Boston baseball reigns supreme again. They were there. They were there when Starrow Drive opened in 1951, and when the first flight landed at Logan in 1923, they were there. They've been here for a hundred years of Boston, uniquely Boston, City of Boston Credit Union. Memberships open to anyone living or working in Suffolk or Norfolk counties. And when it comes to loans, when you need a loan, there's no place like City of Boston Credit Union. They are there, there for you. Home loans, vehicle, tuition, energy and personal, City of Boston Credit Union. 
Union, 617-635-4545. City of Boston Credit Union is NMLS number 403469, equal housing lender. Visit cityofbostoncu.com for more. City of Boston Credit Union. Welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, The Spirit of Boston. If you'd like to join us, our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Let's talk to Jack. Good morning, Jack. Hello, Jack. Hello. Jack. Kelly. Okay. Kelly's having a little, well, she's probably not having a problem, but. Can't hear anybody. Hey, Jack, is that you? Hello, Jack. Hmm. I don't know. We're having some little technical difficulty, but, well, Kelly figures that out. One of the questions that I got just recently was somebody who has a Lexus RX350, so the small SUV, they want to add a trailer hitch. They don't plan on towing anything. They plan to use the trailer hitch for a bike rack or a cargo rack. Jack, is that you? very low to see what's going on. Jack, Jack, is that you? Hello, Jack. Maybe not. Well, Kelly, it seems like we're having some kind of problem, so... But anyway, the uh, issue was they wanted, they've seen trailer hitches priced from 150 to more than $250 with labor to match, and he wants to know if this is something he can do himself on his 2015 Lexus RX350. And there are several companies that make custom trailer hitches, Reese Valley, Draw Tight, among a few. And what I found out once is most of them are all made by the same company with different names on them. The hitches are pre-installed and uh, are pre-assembled. In the case of your Lexus, uh, you just bolt it to the frame. It's actually pretty easy to put on. You just have to remove one of the exhaust hangers temporarily before you bolt the hitch into place. And uh, that's about as complicated as it gets. I'm willing to think with the help of a friend, the installation shouldn't take very long, maybe 60 minutes or so. So it should be a pretty easy installation, no welding involved. All the bolt holes are right there. So you just um, thread the special trailer hitch bolts into it. They're a a little bit stronger bolt. And uh, it should be an easy installation. You should be able to carry that uh, bike rack or cargo, uh, one of those cargo racks without any problem. And if you ever decided you want to tow a small trailer with it, you're all set. You know, good, uh, you know, classy hitch. And again, it's uh, there are a few. I would price them out. I would also not. I would price them out online, but also look at some of the auto parts stores. I know on my own car, I went to price out a trailer hitch and um, went online and found it. And then I went into the local auto parts store, asked them about it. It was about the same price, but if I bought it online, I would have had to pay about forty dollars to ship it, having it having it uh, shipped to the auto parts store about the same price 
I had to pay the sales tax, but I didn't have to pay the shipping, so it actually saved me some money. And I think all in it was $125. And a, a decent trailer hitch, I think it was a, um, I think it was a Reese trailer hitch. And again, when I, uh, you know, looked at different trailer hitch companies, uh, somebody at one of the companies said to me, uh, in the last few years, uh, and I don't remember which one it was, bought the other two. So basically they're just repackaging them and saving their names. So the name actually sells more than the, than the actual trailer hitch so interesting stuff so if you're looking for a trailer hitch looking you know as a do-it-yourself project not not a bad project to do and others where the holes are actually drilled in the frame but they don't have bolts welded into them they actually give you a bolt with like a bracket made into it so you just slide it in and hold it in place fish it in with a wire attached to it and same thing the bolt drops through you put the trailer hitch in it tightens up it's uh once you get it snug it's just uh it's pretty easy to tighten to the right amount and you're all set and ready to go so, Kelly, any idea with the phones? Okay. Maybe we'll try it one more time. Let's see what happens. Good morning. You're on the Car Doctor program. Hello, John Paul. Hello. I'm listening to you through the radio. Oh, but you can't hear me over the phone, huh? Absolutely not. Well, that's not right. I've been for two months. <laughs> uh, my first question is, the little vehicles you drive around on your lawn... Yes. What do you use to patch up the cracks in the seats? And they all crack in the uh, in the corners. Yeah. I've tried the windshield sealant, which is pretty flexible, but that falls out after a while. Hmm. I think I I don't think you're going to be able to put anything in there that's really going to be able to really going to be able to be as flexible as the vinyl as the vinyl cover that's on there to start off with. I have seen some I have seen some companies sell a uh, almost like a seat cover. Might work. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you're just talking like a riding tractor or something? Correct. Yeah. Um I have like I said I have seen some, you know, maybe try like um um, you know, tractor supply or somebody like that. They might have they might have a replacement or just kind of a you know just stretchy one size fits most kind of cover that would be okay. But yeah, to f- to fill anything in, anything that's going to be any of that urethane and um, and even the urethane they use to hold windshields in, it has some flexibility to it. But you know, the it's going it, to the seat's going to give. You know, it might give half an inch, so anything you put in there is going to just fall back out again. And I hate to say, you know, use duct tape, but, um, you know, because that's not going to be good. But, um, but yeah, I don't know what else you would, I don't know what else you would try other than just recover it. Okay, my, my next question is, and you talked about it years back, <clears throat> about the, the uh, increasing of the voltage to the cars, and it was supposed to occur in Germany, and it yeah. would eliminate almost every belt-driven thing, including... The uh, valve train. Whatever happened to that? That's a good question. Nothing ever happened to that. Mostly, uh, and I shouldn't say that. We have seen some. We have seen some cars that have have started to come in with accessory batteries to run some of the extra electrical things. Mercedes and BMW. But as far as going to a forty eight volt or forty two volt electrical system, it was all talked about years back, and it was going to be you know by the year twenty fifteen we're going to see all these things. And one of the reasons was they needed to preheat the catalytic converter, so there was going to have to have a high electrical demand, and it was going to be done electrically, and all that sort of 
faded away, and I think it's because they've managed to run so much of these electrical systems at lower amperage rates that they're able to still manage to do it with the 12-volt battery. But like I said, Mercedes, maybe BMW, Audi have these accessory batteries, and even some of the mild hybrids like um, the Chevy um, uh, Cruise, and uh, at least the Cruise, has an has a smaller battery that sits in the trunk so when you come to a stop it shuts everything shuts down and the small battery maintains the the radio and the power steering pump so we are seeing more electrical driven things electrical power steering pumps electrical air compressors for instance that are running you know running electric motors rather than belt driven but we haven't eliminated all the belts yet and and you know i kind of believe that we would we would see it and it never really happened so i'm i'm actually happier it didn't happen than it did so well, they, they, were, they were kind of talking about the valve train which consumes a heck of a lot of uh horsepower from your engine Right, and they, you know, that's something that's done in in uh, you know some F you know F one style cars where they use a uh, electric um, electric valve train solenoids that open and close the valves, and I think it's a, I think it's a combination of you know what we have now is mechanical. It uses a like you said, it uses a fair amount of power, but on the other hand, what it does do, it's relatively simple and. Putting electronic solenoids up inside a valve train like that is probably not the most hospitable place to put this stuff. So it may be a combination of, you know, maybe it holds up okay for a 24-hour race, but maybe in real life it doesn't hold up as well as they hoped. Well, thank you very much, sir. All right. Thanks, Jack. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, it seems like we're having some problem. Maybe Kelly during the next break can try to push some more buttons and make some more things happen i'm not quite sure not quite well well we'll try we'll try a second call we'll see what happens good morning you're on the car doctor program good morning john good morning how are you sir stuffed with turkey well there you go can you hear me over the phone okay not over the phone i hear over the radio oh hmm hmm well it's time to get jerry our super engineer in to find out what the problem is so but go ahead um, I remember in my younger days when you fill the gas tank in the wintertime, you threw a can of dry gas in there. Remember that? Oh, sure. Well, do they still do it? I get paid an extra quarter for every bottle of dry gas I sold at the gas station. But would you use that product today? No, you don't, you don't really need it today. Um, gas line antifreeze, which is what dry gas, dry gas I think is actually a trade name from the I guess they're still around. Christie Christie Corporation, which is uh, which makes gas line antifreeze and a bunch of other stuff. Um, the, it's I think the combination of the types of fuel tanks we have with fuel injection. A lot of fuel tanks today are plastic; they're not metal. And one of the reasons that you got you put dry gas or gas line antifreeze in your car because sometimes the tanks at the gas station would pick up some moisture and the other thing is when your gas tank's empty if you have a metal gas tank and you know this is, i don't know if you noticed this week uh one morning when you went out everything was covered with dew because the temperature changed so funny you know went from cold to warm and everything was dew covered the same thing happens inside your gas tank if you only have a quarter of a tank of gas and the temperature changes quickly that metal surface will tend to get condensation on it the condensation drips into the gas and then you have then you have um you know that condensation that 
that condensation can freeze up, and so you can have gas line freeze-ups in bad weather. That was something that happened more when we had, you know, four or five pounds of fuel line pressure, and it was running through a carburetor, and the gas tanks were metal, and the chances of having um, water contamination in a gas tank was a lot more, happened a lot more. Today, we don't really see it. My suggestion would be, if you have a concern about it, put a bottle in at the beginning of the cold weather, so, you know, maybe coming up anytime now, and then not worry about it after that. There's different kinds of gas line antifreeze. One of them uses isopropyl alcohol. One of them uses methanol alcohol. I prefer the isopropyl alcohol because if there is any moisture in the gas tank, it mixes with the moisture, it mixes with the water, and then that combination mixes with the gasoline and gets burnt through. The methanol one mixes with the water and sort of stays as a slug of water and methanol, and you might actually feel the car run poorly if there's an issue. One thing you don't want to do is you don't want to go to a drugstore and buy a quart of uh, or a pint of uh, of alcohol because that alcohol has already absorbed all the water it can absorb. Where the stuff that's designed for fuel tanks is a little bit different. It it actually absorbs the water. It has room in its chemical composition to absorb more water the other thing is we have so much ethanol and gasoline now that tends to absorb water i don't think it's really necessary so like i said unless you unless you left your gas cap off one day and it was pouring rain and you forgot about it i don't think i'd worry about it i just try to keep the gas tank you know at least half full you know going through the winter time and i think you'll be all set okay good advice thank you john okay take care now bye-bye 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Why don't we take another break, and when we come back, we're going to, I think, hear from our friend, Mary McGuire, about why there isn't a primary seatbelt law in Massachusetts. Why don't we take a break? We'll be right back in just a couple minutes. My name is John Paul. This is a Car Doctor program. You're listening on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston, or maybe you're listening on our website, WROLradio.com. We'll be right back. W-R-O-L, the spirit of Boston, goes with you. That's because we are no longer trapped inside a radio. We are now everywhere you are. And you carry us around in your pocket. We're ambiguous. On iTunes, on iHeart, on your own app, on our website, on ChristianRadio.com, on your iPad, iPhone, and Android. We're always with you because we're inside your pocket. Whatever you do, don't lose us. 9.50 a.m. W-R-O-L, the spirit of Boston. Black Friday is the number one shopping day of the year. But at Sullivan Tire, we're extending Black Friday savings all the way through Sunday with a -a one-of-a-kind sales event you won't want to miss. All 67 Sullivan Tire service centers will be offering incredible tire savings right through Sunday at 3 p.m. Buy three and get one free on all Yokohama tires and on our Sullivan Value Line tires. Plus, enjoy fantastic savings on all Goodyear tires all weekend. During our annual Black Friday sales event, all stores will be open through Sunday, so there's plenty of time to save. Again, and buy three, get one free on all Yokohama tires and on our Sullivan Value Line tires. And all Goodyear tires are also on sale. It's the perfect time to buy. And remember, Sullivan Tire is New England's auto maintenance headquarters. We'll keep your car running right all winter long. Visit SullivanTire.com slash Black Friday. Peace of mind driving. You deserve it. We provide it. Tires must be installed at Sullivan Tire while supplies last. See SullivanTire.com for complete details. Marita here with Mike from Coastal Heating and Air Conditioning. Mike, I have to ask, 
Do you recommend eliminating the need for oil in your home and why? I'm going to speak from my personal experience. I was calling the oil man at least three times a year at a minimum of 800 a shot. So when I put the Mitsubishi in, I eliminated him completely. And if you have forced hot air oil system, we all know what it smells like when it turns on and we know the noise it makes. So if you eliminate that and put in the indoor units, you'll actually clean the air in your home. You will have no smell whatsoever and, again, with no noise. So it actually purifies the air. They have allergenic filters in them. So anyone that has breathing issues, they claim this will take care of it. Wow. Call Mike at Coastal today at 617-770-0636 for all of your heating and air conditioning needs. And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Uh, well, I had a chance to sit down with uh, my friend and co-worker, Mary McGuire from AAA, and to talk about the primary seatbelt law in Massachusetts. There is legislation that is pending, and some of the reasons why we might need a primary seatbelt law in Massachusetts. Hi, I'm here with Mary McGuire, and uh, recently at the State House there was a hearing about a primary seatbelt law. Can you tell us about that? Sure, John. This was a hearing of the Joint Committee on Judiciary, which is hearing the primary seatbelt bill uh, this legislative session, and heard the bill on November 18th. And just uh, so uh, your listeners and viewers uh, know the difference, right now we have a secondary seatbelt bill in Massachusetts, which means that a police officer has to stop you for another moving violation like running a red light or a stop sign before citing you for not wearing your seatbelt, which is the law here in Massachusetts. Under a primary belt law, which is what AAA has been working for uh, for many years now at the State House, uh, under a primary law, a police officer can pull you over simply for not being belted, which again is the law in Massachusetts. Yeah, not to be confused, there is a seatbelt law. A lot of people don't think there is one, but in fact there is a seatbelt law, and motorists are required to wear their seatbelt when they're behind the wheel of the car, and that includes every passenger in the car. That's right. The other thing that I think is really important for people to know is that the reason why uh, at AAA we're so passionate about passage of a primary seatbelt bill is that we know that it's a win-win for Massachusetts. The first win is a human win. We know from information data from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration as well as the Massachusetts Department of Public Health that we can increase usage uh, in Massachusetts by a minimum of 10% if we were to pass a primary bill. Why do we know that? Because the 34 states in the District of Columbia that have already passed primary in their great wisdom have seen a minimum increase in compliance of 10%. Sometimes it's higher than that. But that translates for Massachusetts into the first win of the win-win, which is the human win. We can save 18 lives every single year and prevent more than 650 injuries every single year. Many of these effectively life-ending injuries, traumatic brain injuries, spinal
spinal cord injuries that are extremely costly in terms of the health care involved. It's often a lifetime of health care, which brings me to the second win for Massachusetts, a fiscal win. Uh, we know again from data from DPH and NHTSA that over five years of passage of primary, we can save the Commonwealth roughly a billion dollars in health care cost, uh, productivity that employers regain, uh, etc. So it really is something that's a win-win for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. And you know, one of the things that people sometimes think about is, you know, we've tried to educate people, and the 10% increase in seatbelt use isn't necessarily because of its enforcement. It's just because people say, oh, I guess it's the primary law, I'll wear my belt. Not necessarily that in any of those states that they're giving out any more tickets than they did before, right? That's such a great point, because in most cases, there really isn't a huge surge in the number of citations that we see. And, you know, John, I'm so glad you brought that up, because, you know, it's really a, a three Stool, you know, it's education, enforcement, and awareness. And so you can pass a law, and you're absolutely right, more law-abiding citizens simply will buckle up. I mean, that's really what's happened in the states that have passed primary. But you also can't make a difference unless you've got the enforcement and the education. And I know that you spend a lot of time uh, at AAA during your working hours during the week uh, doing community outreach, talking with people of all ages about the importance of wearing seatbelts. And I do the same. We all do it in public affairs. And so really creating awareness of the fact that seatbelts are the best tool we have to stay alive in the event of a crash. Seatbelts cut your crash risk by 45%, your risk of dying in a crash by 45%, so almost in half. Your risk of being ejected is up to 30 times greater if you're not belted. And once you're ejected, your chance of dying is 75%. So, you know, this is something that really makes complete sense uh, for all of us. And people who think maybe, uh, well, I have an airbag in my car. I don't need to wear my seatbelt. In fact, the airbag is truly, the name of it is, it's a supplemental restraint system. It works in conjunction with the seatbelt, and it's designed to help minimize injuries that could happen in the result of a crash. So this is a perfect example. A lot of people say, well, I'm tired of laws. There shouldn't be any more laws. But occasionally, and we've seen it over time, that occasionally you have to pass a law to make people healthier. And one of the ones that comes up, I, I always think about, is way back in the 60s when they added vitamin D to milk. And they added vitamin D to milk. They passed a law that said all milk products will have vitamin D. And that was to eliminate rickets in kids. And, you know, no one's ever heard of rickets that's, you know, probably, you know, probably thinks about it and says, what's that all about? And it was because of vitamin D, so they passed a law. So you look at a law like this and you say, well, you know what? It's like the booster seat law we had. Um, Parents thought they were doing the right thing by taking their kids out of a car seat at age four. In fact, all the studies showed that the longer you keep them in a child restraint, the safer they're going to be. And it's the same thing with this. It's just a way for passengers to be passengers and drivers of vehicles to be safer when they're behind the wheel. Well, you're absolutely right. And another argument that we make when we discuss this on Beacon Hill is the fact that we already have a seatbelt law. We're already being told by the government that we have to buckle up. So why not enforce this law more effectively, save more lives? 
lives, prevent more injuries, follow the lead of the majority of states that have passed primary laws. And some of these states have used rates in the 97, 98 percentile. So almost everybody is buckling up. Here in Massachusetts, we rank 46th in the nation in belt use, which is pretty incredible, I think. So roughly a quarter of us, 25%, are not buckling up all the time. And so we have this tremendous potential to save more lives and prevent more injuries and save money. We all pay the cost of those who are involved in crashes and are injured uh, more severely because they're unbelted. So this is something, again, it's a fiscal win, it's a human win, and the time has come. It simply makes sense for Massachusetts. And if residents of the Commonwealth want to help with this, what do they do? Who do they talk to? I'm so glad you asked. You can call your legislator, you can call the Statehouse 617-722-2000, and there's a wonderful operator there who can direct you to your legislator. You can call your congressperson, uh, and you can call us at AAA, uh, AAA.com. Uh, John and I are both on the website with cell phone numbers. You can contact us. If you don't know who your legislator is, we can easily help you find that person and direct you to that person. You can also send your legislator or your congressperson an email, and uh, we would welcome that. So anybody who wants to get involved, please contact us. Mary McGuire, Director of Public Affairs for AAA Northeast. Thanks very much. And that was uh, Mary McGuire talking about that. And, you know, one of the things about uh, seatbelt laws, uh, you know, she said we're number 46th in the nation of seatbelt use. We've actually improved. We were actually 50th for a while. We were at the, uh, even New Hampshire, that didn't have a seatbelt law at all. We were, we were, they were buckling up more than we did. And it's not really about, it's not get, about getting a ticket. It's about the more people use their seatbelts, the less injuries there'll be, the less injuries there are. Maybe car insurance will go down. Here's an interesting program from Mercedes, and this took place in California, and it says Mercedes-Benz had a particular group of young customers in mind when it launched a program called Boost. It's an Uber-like shuttle service. Um, they couldn't afford luxury cars, and they didn't even have driver's license. And who were these, uh, who were these uh, people? They were kids, and they simply needed to get to soccer practice. So Boost, created by Mercedes-Benz, uh, they call their division the Business Innovation Division, has given 10,000 rides in Silicon Valley suburbs since 2013. Parents use a smartphone app to reserve spots for children on a Sprinter van, so that's that uh, sort of big minivan, I guess would be a good way to describe it. They pay about $20 per ride. The company designed Boost to solve a problem its customers face. Many come from affluent dual-income households, and for them, leaving work to serve as an after-school chauffeur comes at a steep cost. These are people with uh, more money than time, according to the person who manages a project. Um, They said a lot of them were not aware of how much time they really spent driving around and waiting. At first blush, Boost may seem like an odd business venture for luxury car brands such as Mercedes-Benz, yet yet the German automaker was also among the first to embrace economical car sharing. The short-term rental called Car2Go, owned by parent company Daimler, operates fleets of smart for two city cars in 30 urban centers around North America and in Europe and uh, has more than 10,000 cars uh, here and about a million registered users worldwide. Boost shows that Mercedes-Benz offers uh, is, um, you know, they're, they're looking at how they can put this kind of plan together but also kind of build their brand. And they're saying, well, you know, maybe if we pick up, 
people's kids, they'll consider buying a car from us, and I guess that's exactly what it is. There are so many mobility service companies trying to solve the urban problem, and uh, they said our role is the next challenge was to uh, uh, go to the mega suburbs, so where people are going around. It looks like, uh, here's how it works. The basic idea is parents reserve and track rides for children on a mobile phone. Uh, it's for kids that are 5 to 15. The vehicle is a Sprinter van. They have booster seats, children's books, and car sick bags in them. (laughs) The employees, there's one driver and one concierge per van. Uh, Pricing is around $22 per trip before bulk discounts, and right now it's just in Palo Alto, California, and five nearby suburbs. So kind of of an interesting thing, uh, uh, I guess really kind of, you know, the term of thinking outside the box, what people, what car manufacturers try to do to try to improve their fit within the neighborhood, I suppose, is one way to look at it. Just kind of interesting. Why don't we take another break? My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. We're having a little trouble with the phones today, where I guess people can't hear me on the phone, but you can hear on the radio, so we're not quite sure what that's all about. Our super engineer, Jerry, will have to work that out between now and next week but why don't we take that break my name's john paul this is the car doctor program you're listening on am 950 wrol the spirit of boston or wrolradio.com marita here with mike from coastal heating and air conditioning mike i have to ask Do you recommend eliminating the need for oil in your home, and why? I'm going to speak from my personal experience. I was calling the oil man at least three times a year at a minimum of 800 a shot. So when I put the Mitsubishi in, I eliminated him completely. And if you have forced hot air oil system, we all know what it smells like when it turns on, and we know the noise it makes. So if you eliminate that and put in the indoor units, you'll actually clean the air in your home. You will have no smell whatsoever, and again, with no noise. So it actually purifies the air. They have allergenic filters in them. So anyone that has breathing issues, they claim this will take care of it. Wow. Call Mike at Coastal today at 617-770-0636 for all of your heating and air conditioning needs. Everywhere you go, anywhere you go, W-R-O-L, the spirit of Boston, goes with you. That's because we are no longer trapped inside a radio. We are now everywhere you are, and you carry us around in your pocket. We're ambiguous. On iTunes, on iHeart, on your own app, on our website, on ChristianRadio.com, on your iPad, iPhone, and Android. We're always with you because we're inside your pocket. Whatever you do, don't lose us. 9.50 a.m., W-R-O-L, the spirit of Boston. Black Friday is the number one shopping day of the year. But at Sullivan Tire, we're extending Black Friday savings all the way through Sunday with a -a one-of-a-kind sales event you won't want to miss. All 67 Sullivan Tire service centers will be offering incredible tire savings right through Sunday at 3 p.m. Buy three and get one free on all Yokohama tires and on our Sullivan Value Line tires. Plus, enjoy fantastic savings on all Goodyear tires all weekend. During our annual Black Friday sales event, all stores will be open through Sunday, so there's plenty of time to save. Again, and buy three, get one free on all Yokohama tires and on our Sullivan Value Line tires. And all Goodyear tires are also on sale. It's the perfect time to buy. And remember, Sullivan Tire is New England's auto maintenance headquarters. We'll keep your car running right all winter long. 
Visit SullivanTire.com slash Black Friday. Peace of mind driving. You deserve it. We provide it. Tires must be installed at Sullivan Tire while supplies last. See SullivanTire.com for complete details. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Like I said, we're having a little bit of problems with our phones today. So um, if you call in, you might have to listen on the radio, which I know is contrary to what we always tell you. We always tell you to turn your radio down, but in this case, you might have to turn your radio up. Let's talk to Mike. Good morning, Mike. Uh, Good morning, John. How are you? I hope you and your family had a nice Thanksgiving. I hope you did as well. Thank you. Now, can you hear us over the phone? Um, no. No? Hmm. So, um, doing the radio thing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's a little bit, you know, disconcerting because you got the, the coming back and a little lag. But yeah. um, I, the reason I'm calling is, um, you know, I enjoyed the you know interview that you had this morning, you know, about the Elantra, the Hyundai. And I was wondering if you would share any thoughts um, on buying, a, a, like, a Hyundai Sonata versus a Kia Optima, you know, like GM, you know, with Pontiac and Buick. They're the same umbrella in the GM, but... You know, they were kind of doing their own things. I was wondering if you could share any thoughts. Would there be an advantage to buying one over the other, or is it basically it's the same kind of thing? I think it's what you really like. Even though I remember, I remember talking to somebody from Kia about that, and I said, "How do you? How do you? What do you think of Hyundai?" And they said, "We think of them as a competitor." And I think it really comes down to style. They're using very similar engines. They're using very similar transmissions their hybrid designs are essentially the same they're doing some things under you know kind of under the skin that's a little bit different they're using some different electronics packages kia uses one design hyundai uses another but they're very very similar so it's not you you hit it right on the head you know it's is it really a lot different than than you know buying a you know years ago buying a chevrolet caprice caprice versus a pontiac catalina they're kind of the same um they you know they you you'll probably find that it uses the same brake pads and uses the same brake rotors and they're going to be they're going to be similar in that in that regards that you know that's what you're going to see i my feeling is the kia has a bit more of a sportier feel to it especially with the touring package a little bit firmer ride almost to the point where here in new england the the Kia Optima with the touring package probably wouldn't be my first pick only because it is a um it's a, it's a it's a vehicle that well it, the the narrow the the wide tires with the short sidewalls and the amount of potholes we have in New England just aren't always a good combination and I think that sort of thumpy European ride might get old pretty fast where you don't seem to have that in the Sonata my both of them are good I think both of them are a little bit based on what you like one over the other but essentially you're buying pretty much the same car uh, you might find that the low 
local Hyundai dealer tends to treat you a little bit better than the local Kia dealer or just the opposite. One might be closer to your house or work than the other, which might do it. I happen to I happen to like the style of the Optima better than the style of the Sonata. The Sonata, I like the style of it when it first came out. It's starting to get a little bit old looking where I think that now perhaps they're uh, they're maybe looking at a point where there there may be some really ref- kind of freshening of that model coming up but i think you could you could flip a coin and i think i think if you got into each one of the cars blindfolded and you kind of took your blindfold off and took them down the road and you said which one's the hyundai which one's the kia it probably would be a little bit hard to tell yeah well you know that's something that i'll i'll look forward to when i go to the uh, auto show in january there so kind of look at both of them at the same time so i'll oh. i'll take those um things into mind when you that yep. you just mentioned so yep you know right, the so auto really show you know like John, barbara putney from the auto show says time. 500 cars the program look forward to it every saturday morning thank you all right thank you take Bye-bye. care like barbara putney from the auto show says you know 500 cars and one ticket will get you there we are going to be giving away tickets again next week i need to count them and see where we are but i think we're in pretty good shape and we should be able to give away everybody who got who signed up to win tickets last week i put them all in the mail monday or tuesday so hopefully even with the holiday you should have them you should have them in your hand and the auto show is not coming up for uh, till um, right around right around the uh, martin luther king holiday weekend it, it runs from uh, friday th- or thursday through that f- uh, monday night i believe so but we'll have barbara on to talk about some of the special events that happened during the show and that is a show that runs uh, almost parallel with the detroit show so Detroit takes away a little bit of what happened in Boston, but you know the Boston Auto Show at the Boston Exhibition and Convention Center or Convention and Exhibition Center.